Most of the male runners figured if any woman wants to run 26 miles in a driving rain, let her run. But veteran Boston trainer Jock Semple thought the whole thing was silly. No, there's enough competition for women. What the heck? Why did they want to tackle the, the, the toughest thing in the world? It's just the uh, women and their stubbornness just want to do something that they're not supposed to do. That's all there is to it. You know that. You're married. That was 50 years ago. In the time since, women have made remarkable progress towards equality in sport. Today, 40% of all athletes are women, and yet women still receive less than 4% of media coverage. The Iron Woman podcast wants to help change that. We interview female professional athletes and other remarkable women making breakthroughs in endurance, sport, and research. So that when I grow up, I will have heroes. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm Haley Chura. And I'm Rosalie. And you're listening to the Iron Women Podcast. Haley, do you know what our most popular Iron Women episode has been so far? I do, Alyssa, because you know I love the numbers, and it goes back to fall of 2017 when we interviewed exercise physiologist Stacey Sims. You are right, and do you know what Stacey Sims has been up to these days? I've heard she's working with Noon Hydration to help formulate some products that have the female endurance athlete in mind. Noon Hydration products have clean quality ingredients and are also non-GMO project verified, which means top quality ingredients for your body and the planet. Noon Hydration offers a range of hydration products for all your workout and recovery needs. My personal favorite is Noon Sport Fruit Punch flavor. What's yours, Alyssa? I like the Noon Sport in the grape flavor and our listeners can go to noonlife.com and shop with a 30% off code of IRONWOMEN to find out their favorite flavor. And don't forget to let us know. That's noonlife.com with the code IRONWOMEN for 30% off. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now. Hi, Haley. Congratulations on another race just done and dusted. And more importantly, though, can you still hear me? <laughs> can you hear me right now? Okay, so this is uh, to give our listeners a little insight here. I've been dealing with an ear infection for a little while. I'm also dealing with a lost voice. <laughs> I'm a bit of a mess. I know I should probably, I like have gotten so used to it that I'm like, this is my voice now. I hope not. I'll be back to my normal, not so gravelly husky. This is kind of like, kind of nice. It might be kind of nice for you. Yeah, it might be like we, a nice podcasting voice. We don't know. People send in your feedback on Haley's new podcast. We like voice. Haley's like illness voice. But yes, I, I raced Ironman 70.3 St. George this past weekend. I've been dealing with an ear infection going into the race, which yes, adults apparently can get ear infections. Yeah, I thought it was just children, but I managed to get like a middle ear infection and <laughs> I have I have very limited hearing, but I can still hear you. Yes, Alyssa, I can okay, hear good. you. <laughs> <laughs> and then my next question, of course, is, is St. George like the most epic of the races? Like I have heard from everyone and their brother these last few years. And like, would you put it on the bucket list? Or should I put it on my bucket list? It's off of yours now. Check. Yeah. So St. George was on my bucket list. And that's one of the reasons I went. And one of the reasons I raced, even with like not feeling my best, I just needed to check out this course. Like you said, everyone talks about it. So it is a great course. You know, they just announced that the Ironman will be coming back there in 2020, the full Ironman distance. And then 70.3 Worlds will be there in 2021. So there's going to be a lot of action happening in St. George. And I think... St. George, a bit of it kind of reminded me, I mean, it's it's a beautiful course. It's a great, the town really embraces the Ironman, which is really fun. And, but I think it's kind of reminds me a way of like Kona in that it's not the hardest course I've ever done, but it has really, really stiff competition and that makes it really hard. So I think 
you know, the road surfaces are really good. Like you can, you see some actually pretty fast times, you know, the bike course, yes, there is a big climb toward the end up snow Canyon, but you get all that back. You get a big descent after that as well. So it's, I wouldn't say it's like necessarily the hardest course again that I've ever done, but it was, it wasn't, it was hard. Every Ironman is hard, right? Like every 70.3 is hard. If you go hard enough, like, I don't think there's such a thing as an easy course, right? Even flat courses. It's like, you just have to go faster. Exactly. um, Exactly. I think that's, you said it exactly right there. Like every course is hard if you go hard enough. So there you go. Exactly. But I will say that the run is, is, you know, it has some hills. They're like kind of more the long sustained hills, which I, I love. And I was able to kind of rally a little bit on that run. And then uh, there's no shade everywhere. Like there are no trees. And so it is, I mean, it could get pretty hot. So I'll be interested to see what time of year they put that 70.3 world championship. If it is in September, it could be quite the toasty race, but maybe I know that next year, I think uh, the 70.3 worlds in New Zealand are going to be in in November. So I wonder if they'll play around with St. George on the timing there. Who knows? That's true. It did seem like a lot of announcements were coming out over the weekend. And I think, well, I have a couple thoughts here. First, what you said about it being such a competitive place. And I think I was watching quite closely because I had a couple athletes racing and it seems like with wildflower having not happened this year, perhaps this made St. George particularly stacked just across the board. I feel like I was watching women in the age group ranks, like in very, very deep fields. And I mean, let alone the pro race was, was super deep. So that was really fun to watch. And it did seem like it was a pretty good course to, you know, suit all sorts of strengths and that sort of thing. And Haley, I did appreciate your, I think it was a tweet or maybe an Instagram something afterwards where, you know, it clearly wasn't your day. Like we all know it was your day, but we were pulling for you while you were out there anyway. And it was just, I liked your kind of reflection on it that you had kind of a a front seat to the action to watch other women who did have their day on the day. Right. And I think that's a really good perspective because, you know, we talk a lot about people who want to go pro and are debating it. And quite honestly, like if you go and you race pro, like, you're not going to get this magic training plan. Then that gives you this ability to have like these magical days every time you race. And you are going to have some pretty rough days sometimes when you're racing in the pro field. And I just, I love your attitude that like you still got to be a part of it. You got to be a part of this great race and you got to watch other women kind of crush it out there. So yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I like that. Thanks. No, I, I think this is what I want, you know, like this is what I think we all want. We all want the pro women's field to get, we want to see what women are capable of doing, you know? And if I get to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not fast enough, you know, because there are so many other great women, that is fantastic. I hope, hope it raises, you know, me and brings out my best on, you know, like, and that's one of the reasons I like to go to these competitive races is the idea that like, okay, you know, maybe I find something. And honestly, like it wasn't my day, but I feel like, I got a lot of support, you know, even, even with it not being my day and, um, on that run. And I probably did run a lot better than I would have if I, you know, hadn't had those women out there that I was running with. And, and I got a lot of cheers, you know, from the age groupers and just from people in the course, um, who I think are fans of the podcast. So I was wearing my new smash fest queen kit. I got to debut that, which makes me pretty visible, which is nice. I loved it. It was fantastic. So, um, there were a lot of really good takeaways. Yeah. And I met, you know, a lot of just, other, you know, listeners of the podcast, which I love. Thank you to everyone who, you know, who came up and said hi. And then also I got to hang out with Kelly O'Mara, who is our sister podcast co-host and the, the author of the, if we were writing newsletter. So if we were writing podcasts and if we were writing newsletter, if, if anyone doesn't subscribe to those or listen to those, definitely check them out. Livefeisty.com has all your information there. And Kelly was one who, in her newsletter, she gets a kick out of the fact that Iron Man keeps announcing that they're having announcements, which now I get a kick out of because I do think that's quite funny. But, you know, and she was like, oh, I think they're going to announce that, you know, 70.3 World Championships is coming to St. George, which it is. And they're bringing back the full distance, which is exciting. And that will be the North American Championship next year. Yes. So that's exciting. Some cool changes coming there. Um, I like the change of pace in that. And then this other thing I saw pop up that I think was overshadowed by the St. George announcements is that I think... I don't know if it's like 100% confirmed, but I think they're really 
looking into bringing Ironman back to Penticton in Canada. So I have raced in Penticton and I love it. I think it's a fabulous venue for a full distance race like that. And I would love to go back. So I'm hoping that like comes through, but I'm curious, like all these, you know, and they still have to, I think, announce the other North American race that they're adding, right? Like between Des Moines and Fayetteville and and Oklahoma, Tennessee or something. So like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like something's like going on and we're going to find out like all like I'm just, I'm just curious why now all of a sudden we're we're adding all of these North American races it feels like, but I guess we'll find out. We'll just have to Maybe it's a good sign. Maybe it's a good sign. I guess, but the pros don't know anything. So <laughs> don't ask us for any insight and tell cuz we don't know any more than you guys do. Actually, we might that know less. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, and it is when they like announce these new races, it's like I hope they have a pro race yeah, there. Yeah, you can't get too excited until you find that out. <laughs> yeah or they have like a rotation of a pro race or something but st george ironman does sound like it will 2020 have a pro race be the championships that's cool and then those 2021 worlds that's exciting as well so just having those in the u.s that was fun i raced in chattanooga when they were in the u.s and it's it is there's something really cool about racing a world championship in your own country and the travel's a lot easier <laughs> That's very true. Speaking of travel, while you were racing, I was spending my weekend training and packing. Um, I'm leaving for Australia to crew for Ultraman Australia this week. So I leave tomorrow and I'm excited to do a long journey. It's been a while since I've been traveling for a full day. And so I get to do that. And I'm excited to fly to Brisbane, I believe, and then head to Noosa where the, the race is kind of based out of. And I know Hillary has some training days on tap for me that are going to be like classic Noosa type of experiences. And so I'm all set. But unfortunately, one of those, Haley, is going to include an open water swim. So I've packed my shark band and I'm going to say to they have sharks it. there, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I full I would wear like 12 shark bands if I like could have them. But I'm going to definitely you have your own one. shark band. Oh, yeah. I was actually a present because I was going to California to do open water swims and the athlete like organizing this got us all them so that like because he was terrified of sharks too and what so does a shark band look like is it like a watch it's like a, it looks like a like an, an oversized garment or watch or kind of thing and you put it on your ankle though and it just has like a little magnet that does like a, a allegedly it does an electromagnetic or something pulse or something that sharks don't like but i mean there's i don't think there's a way to like really test if it's working so prayers i guess so are you taking like your bike and everything with you i am yeah i like thought about trying to get out of it but then when i started to feel fit and i think i'll be hopefully jumping into chattanooga 70.3 in three weeks bringing a bike was basically a non-negotiable at that point because i don't want to be off the bike for two weeks leading into a race so i'm bringing it all i'm just gonna do it and that's my life for these years while i'm a triathlete so just gonna do it and then it'll be interesting to see like travel back and then the next day, drive down to Chattanooga and see how I feel. So we'll, we'll see. How do you sleep on planes? Do you sleep well? Usually, yeah. Like I prefer to have at least one empty seat next to me to have like a little bit of room. Like when you're really packed in, I do find it quite hard to sleep. But my sleep mask is packed. My earplugs are packed. My noon rest is packed. Like all of that is like ready to go. So hopefully it'll be okay. Uh, you're going to do fine. I bet you'll do extra good because I feel like you, I feel like these kind of things like bring out your best. Yeah. Like when you think you have to face adversity, you're like, I can do this. Like I'm going to be tougher than it. So we'll see. And my mom's going to come to Chattanooga and help me a little bit. So I don't have to actually do too much of the driving on my own. And that way Ramona can come. So that's good. Oh, fun. That is a fantastic race too. I, I love Chattanooga as a race venue. So that will be a fun time. Well, wow. I'm, I'm glad you're all packed and have a great trip. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Haley. And you know, last week, or maybe it was the, a few weeks, couple weeks ago, we talked about how Wahoo is back as one of our podcast sponsors. And I did want to update the listeners that, so I am someone where like when I get set in my training ways and my training, like utensils, I don't know. I don't think that's the right word. My training tools, I really struggle with change, but over the last couple months, I have been using the Wahoo element bolt as my bike computer. And it, was a very, first of all, I liked it because it was a clean swap, like literally from my other computer because it uses the same like attachment. Does, does that make sense? Am I using yes. the right words? Okay. So I could literally like just take the other one off and put the other one right on the same place, which like I loved because that made the transition much more seamless for me. Um, I didn't have to like figure out 
bolts and parts and like weird arms for computers. It just went one to one. So that was good. And I've been really liking the bolt so far. It does a ton of stuff. And admittedly, I am not like super technology savvy, but it does anything you could want it to. And one of the things I do sometimes use is like the preloaded maps, the turn by turn, take me back to the start, like take me like here, make sure I'm on the right track in case I am like when I'm in Noosa, I might like load in a map so that if I, you know, want to do a long ride, I don't have to like, I used to Haley. Did you ever do this? Like write at the cue sheet by hand. Yeah. I don't think people who get into the sport now know what that's like. Really? I don't think so. Like I used to do the cue sheet and you put it in a Ziploc and then you yeah. put it in your pocket. And then like, if you, if that flew out of your pocket, like you were lost. So yeah. <laughs> it would be like two miles, then turn left. Right. Like it was yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do cue sheets all the time. I feel like when, remember that training camp we did together in uh, North in, Georgia? Yeah. I, feel like I, I probably gave you a cue sheet. I, know. I was like, here we go. You're coming to ride with me. And I was like, screw this. I'm just going to try and hang on for your life and then not get lost in the mountains. But anyway, so the Bolt does all of that. It syncs to like everything. Obviously, your Wahoo Kicker, it works with Strava Live segments, apparently, which I have actually never done. I'm not sure what that really means. But do they tell you when you're coming up on a Strava segment? <laughs> that would be probably, but that seems like something I don't need in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think a lot of people out there will enjoy it. Um, but I do, you can get like call and text notifications. So you can, you know, it's, it's nice sometimes if you're, sometimes it's nice to turn that off, but sometimes it's nice to have it in case you do need those notifications on while you're riding. It's super easy. But anyway, I've been loving it. And I also want to say it has like cool sounds and like lights. I those like are those. important. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes What's me have like those a things ringing me... endorsement. Yeah. Like I have never heard such <laughs> a high endorsement for a bike computer in my life. Right. This is fantastic. And it, it pairs with the, you said it pairs like the ecosystem of products pairs with the kicker pairs with the ticker heart rate monitor. Yep. No, no questions. It just, yeah. Boom, when I sat it. down to, to think about it, I've, I've been enjoying my time with it. So look into if you are in the market or even if you're not, and you just want to change a pace this season, check out the Wahoo Element Bolt bike computer. Well, we have more news. There's a lot of preamble today, but um, we have exciting news coming from the 2019 Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. So just this week we launched, or not we, I guess the Live Feisty, not Alyssa and I specifically, <laughs> but Sarah Gross and the team at Live Feisty, Sarah Gross and Lisa Ingerfield launched the new website. It's outspokensummit.com. It's the same website, but it's just updated and which has a lot of the details on the summit, the dates for the summit this year. It is happening again in Tempe, Arizona. The dates, it's November 15th through 17th. So that's a Friday through Sunday. So it's a little earlier this year in Tempe, Arizona. And this year, Alyssa, it is going to be at the ASU Fitness Complex, which means that all attendees have full access for, for the three days of the summit to a 50 meter outdoor pool, outdoor pool in November. That's awesome. Treadmills, strength equipment, all the stuff you can get all your training in while you're at the summit or in between sessions or in the morning, in the evening, I'm sure there'll be some group training sessions as well, but that's a great, great venue. Yeah. I mean, as someone who moved to a college town so that I could access college facilities to train at them, like that kind of thing is always super nice. So that sounds exciting. The theme Haley this year is leading from the inside out. So that sounds like something fun to go learn and talk about. And they have some speakers that have been announced so far. So the speakers so far you could hear from if you go to the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit are Sarah True. And Sarah is obviously an American athlete. She's been on our podcast, so you guys should all be well-versed in who Sarah True is. But she went to the Olympics and competed now in how many Ironmans has she two Ironmans so she was right? she did two but she like made them count she like got second in Frankfurt last year and fourth in Kona so she's she's batting pretty good average yeah, there on her Ironman finishes yeah, she is doing pretty well there so Sarah True will be speaking then we have Dr. Rachel McKinnon coming she is a professor, elite athlete, and activist for transgender rights. She is the 2018 UCI Masters track cycling world champion in the women 35 to 44 sprint event. And she'll be there to give a unique perspective on transgender athlete rights. 
And then also returning is Sally Edwards, everyone's favorite from 2018, is back as a keynote speaker in 2019. And if you didn't, if you missed Sally last year, she is a pioneer in the sport. She was, I think she was like, she won the Western States Ultra Marathon. And I think she was like one of the like the fourth woman ever to finish that race. And she's also, you know, she's she's done Iron Man, obviously. She wrote the first book ever on triathlon. She was one of the, you know, she did, she founded Fleet Feet Sports. I mean, there's, I, I feel like I could, like a shorter list would be like a thing Sally hasn't done. Um, <laughs> but she's also an excellent speaker and definitely a big attraction if you're thinking about coming to the summit. Hearing Sally speak, you you will not be the same. There's also Haley going to be this year, two pre-summit six hour workshops. And the one is on inclusion and diversity with Dr. Lisa Ingerfield and Dr. Shauna Payne gold. And the second six hour workshop is with Rachel Joyce and Sarah gross on how to become a pro triathlete. And so you'll actually be able to register for like those as a package deal, or you could also just register for the six hour workshops if you can attend the summit. And then you can obviously go to the summit and not the six hour workshops beforehand. So tons of like menu options for the summit this year. And again, registration is open at outspokensummit.com. Oh, and if I did ask about those, those pre-summit workshops, they are happening at the ASU fitness complex on Friday. So on November 15th. So They'll be in the morning. They're happening concurrently, so you can't. You have to pick one or the other. But if you get there Friday morning, you could do one of those workshops, and then the actual like official summit will kick off that evening. So yeah, so you can make a cool long weekend of it. I saw Lisa Ingerfield and Shauna Payne Gold. They did a breakout session at the 2018 summit and on inclusion and diversity, and it was fantastic. So I think that's a cool you know, cool that they're doing a, they get more time. And then Rachel, Rachel Joyce and Sarah talking about how to become a pro triathlete. I mean, I, those are, those are some, I mean, Rachel and Sarah definitely know what they're talking about. You have some, some veterans of the sport there. So cool things. Um, I'm excited. Outspokensummit.com. A lot of fun things. Register now. I'm sure there's probably early bird pricing. I don't know the exact pricing, but, um, definitely probably pays to plan ahead. And Haley, next up, in our like long introduction that we're giving the podcast today is our mailbag. So people can email us their questions at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And we have our first one from Alexandria and she is a runner turned triathlete. She's done a variety of tri distances and almost all of her gear comes from eBay or Craigslist. She's 26. So she doesn't have a lot of discretionary income to spend on tri gear and she's not fast enough to win age groups or anything like that. So she's wondering what our priority list would be for gear to purchase new versus getting used. And is there anything we think she should really buy new or a secondhand totally fine for most or all gear? Hmm. That was a good question. I'd say buy, buy your swimsuits new, <laughs> buy your running shoes new. <laughs> But like, if you're really in a pinch, you could, I mean, you could use them used, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, running shoes are just one that I feel like you want to, or you like break make them sure in that, with your feet. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're really in a pinch and they fit you <laughs> and they are like the right style and model, but I feel like that's something you shouldn't just like force. Right. Don't force like the wrong size or the wrong, well, you shouldn't force the wrong size on anything. So just about anything. That's like a good point. Okay. Just about anything thing. could be used, used, but you don't, as long as it's like right for you still, like it still has to be the right size and like, you know, that kind of thing. And also some things do kind of run their term, like running shoes do probably run their term faster than some of the other gear. Um, I think like what else, like helmets are helmets you can use, use, uh, but you should really, you want to make sure you know the history, like, you know, the right, history because exactly. helmets are only meant to like get a bang once. I mean, that is, and you want your helmet to be in good shape. So make sure you kind of know the history that it's never been in a crash. Other things I can think of off the top of my head that I'm just thinking like things I personally might not use used is like cycling shoes if I could avoid it. Yeah. I feel like those get a personal Like you race in them and if you pee on the bike, the pee gets into the shoe. And so they're they're not something you just throw in the washing machine. (laughs) Those are just mostly like gross. But again, you could use it used. Or if you you have like gently used, I mean, if things are gently used, like 
that that's a, there's like different levels of use, right? Too. So if it's like someone bore them once and then they didn't work and they couldn't return them and they fit you great, that'd be awesome. But I mean, I don't think getting stuff used is bad. Like I think, I think that it can be a great way to, you know, cut costs. And I, I think you can get some really, really good stuff. I just think it is care- you want to be careful on, on sizing, making sure things fit. That means your bike, that means your wetsuit, that means your shoes, you know, anything, any clothes, that kind of stuff. Make sure it fits. And then two, I would just, you know, if you're going to buy a bike, like get a bike shop to look over it before you buy it. Because there's things like cracks and frames that I've been around bikes for a long time and I wouldn't necessarily recognize it right away. So you want someone who looks at bikes all day long, get a bike mechanic to look it over and, you know, just make sure that it is in working order. I agree. So hopefully Andrew, Alexander, that helps you out. And hopefully that helps in a way that you're not super stressed trying to buy a ton of new gear. So you're doing the right thing. I think any way you can make it work is, is good. Our next question, Haley comes from Christina and it is on kind of like, she, I guess, has been talking to people about swim seating for rolling starts. And she comes from a swim background, so she worries about people getting poor advice. So we're here to weigh in with, with better advice, maybe. So she's interested in how we would suggest weak swimmers should seed themselves. And a lot of these age group races now have rolling starts, right? So it's not something like you and I really raced with too much, I guess, when we were racing, but there's, I I do understand kind of the question is like some of the slower swimmers kind of get nervous that they're going to get caught by the cutoff times. Right. So then they kind of like want to see themselves at the front so that they in theory have like the maximum time for the swim right to take place um rather than seating themselves appropriately where the little person's holding like the sign you know and then they might lose out on some minutes that they think they need to make the cutoff wait for cutoffs though does it just like doesn't it just go off of your chip i think they close the swim course at a certain time but it wouldn't it be like an hour and 20 minutes or hour and 10 minutes and a half after the last person goes so you're saying like if you went earlier, but I feel like if you still came in, even if you go in with the, you know, 20 minute group and then you swim like an hour 30, I think your time, I you think still you still don't get, get it DQ'd. Oh. Yeah. Well then that makes this, my advice easier because then I would say you should always seed yourself appropriately. Right? I think that, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> like I, when it's your first race, it's hard to like guess, but you know, you could do a 2k swim in the pool and see what your time is. And then I, I mean, and then seat yourself there, you know, and I would say seat yourself like, I mean, I guess it's 1.9 K 1.9 K. So, but like do that a 1900, you know, swim, see what your time is for that. And I would seat yourself there because yes, the pool is probably a little faster than open water, but you're going to have a wetsuit in open water, but you'll probably be about where you should be. And I do think women tend to, you know, hold back a little and they'll see themselves a little too far back. And so I don't think you necessarily want to do that because then you are swimming over people, you know, that's not safe for anyone. But yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're training for this 70.3, just go in there and swim 1900 straight and see what it takes you. And that will at least give you a ballpark of where, I mean, they're in five minute increments. So you could, that will give you some comfort and confidence as you line up. Yeah, I agree. And I think like, the seeding of the swim should cause you like no stress. Right. So it sounds like this is like a stressful thing for people to figure out. And it's kind of like you have hopefully done some training, right. And you know about what you can do and you feel good about that. And so like, just go with that, like go, go with that and then own it, (laughs) you know? Um, and then if you get out of the race and you find out you should have been five minutes forward or back, then like you can adjust for the next race kind of thing. But I think the big thing is, and again, like, I don't know if this is a thing, but I think some people try, I thought some people tried to like buy time by going up, but don't do that because there are faster swimmers and like, it should, we should allow for like the cleanest water. Right. And that's possible for people to be getting in and like swimming their pace rather than, I mean, you're always going to swim over people, but and around people. But if you're somewhat in the right ballpark, then you can at least have kind of like allow everyone to have the best water opportunity that they can. (laughs) Great advice. And she also threw in like a side question about 
the tales that people tell. And so like, for example, coming out of Oceanside, a lot of people were saying how the swim was just really crazy. And there were seven to 14 foot waves in Oceanside. And she's just wondering, like, first of all, was this true? And like, how did these like wive tales come about? And or not urban myths, maybe? Is that is that yeah. what are, urban, urban myths? Urban myth, yeah. that yeah. works. <laughs> um, and I think, is it, she wants to know if it's like uneducation or whatever, but Haley, have you ever seen a seven to 14 foot wave? Not in a, not in a race that wasn't canceled and should be canceled. I mean, I'm a fairly competent swimmer. I think I can say that. I mean, I've been swimming my whole life and I have spent some time in the ocean and I'll tell you, I get scared in like three foot waves. Like water is incredibly powerful. Mother nature is incredibly powerful. If there were seven foot waves, there is no way they're having a race in them. Like seven foot waves are really scary. Yeah, no, I agree. I get scared in like one to two foot waves and the race would not happen if they were really seven to 14 foot waves. So it is like probably a little bit of uneducation, but at the same time I do, I had confirmed reports that Oceanside was, had big waves, but probably like one foot waves, which is like big and scary. Like again, I still big. Yeah. Yeah. It's like how one inch of rain is actually like a lot of rain. Yeah. But like, yes, people's perception of what a wave is like, is I think not entirely correct, but it's fun. Well, it's always every, fun to tell the tales, right? I mean, it is. It's a it story. is. And, and it's always like every year is like the hottest Kona. Every year it's like the hilliest. You know, everything is the, especially right after you did it, it's always the most. Except maybe not last year, Kona. Everyone did, did, everyone <laughs> did last year did, yeah, they, did agree. Was... Okay, the conditions were pretty fast. But, um, but I think, you know, it's just human nature. I think that is human nature. So it's a reason to go experience it yourself. It's like one of the reasons I wanted to go to St. George. Everyone talks about these hills and I'm like, I need to go see these hills for myself. And now I have like perspective for myself. I'm like, okay, now. I know what it's like and to be honest like usually when you hear those tales it's it's never as bad as you think when you're actually in it I yeah I I agree with that but because they they are safety minded in Ironman if you haven't noticed from all the canceled swims they're not going to put you in something that's not safe so I think you know you have that going for you yeah so Christina hopefully we helped a little bit and helped weigh in on on that stuff but our next item Haley is of course checking in on our patreon campaign so for those people who haven't noticed we did launch a patreon campaign for live feisty it is at patreon.com forward slash live feisty and we have 63 patrons yay who this means they've subscribed to give a monthly uh donation i guess at this point but you, you get some some stuff depending on your tier so um they're you like, sign up they're like sponsoring us it's not yeah. like a donation they get they get a podcast they get hearing from us every week they get these great interviews they might get like a live feisty t-shirt exactly so for as little as two dollars all the way to a hundred dollars or more per month the you can pick your level and help keep our content getting out there and our live feisty creations happening. So thank you to everyone who has signed up and please consider that if you, if you have had it on your mind. And then our interview this week, we have Cecilia Davis Hayes. And if you aren't familiar with Cecilia, you should be. I got very familiar with Cecilia this weekend because we both raced at Ironman 70.3 St. George. And, um, she grew up playing soccer, then ran in college and then kind of went into bike racing and then into triathlon, extremely successful very early in triathlon. I think she won her very first race. And what's even more impressive, she did all this while in med school. So she's only been a pro for three years. She's still fairly, fairly new to the sport. She's actually, I, I just talked to her. She just finished her her um, fourth year med school. So she's going to tell us, and we did this interview right after she finished third at Ironman 70.3 Peru, which was her first pro podium. I'm sure not her last. It was a fantastic race for her. And, and spoiler alert in St. George, Alyssa, she was the first person that I have ever been running downhill next to, and she could run downhill faster than me. I usually pride myself on being an excellent downhill runner. Cecilia put me to shame. It was impressive. She finished 12th. I finished 13th. I don't think I said that in the intro, so I'll Mm -hmm. plug in there for me. But um, it's a fantastic interview, and we'll have it up for you right after a word from our sponsors. 
Hey, Alyssa, have you ever come out of a race with a really bad sunburn? I sure have. My very first Kona, I'll never forget. It was awful. Well, I think I have a product for you. Zelio Sun Barrier SPF 45 is a zinc-based and water-resistant sunscreen. It's long-lasting, oil-free, and won't sting your eyes. I've used it, and it works great. I'll have to try it because I have heard that Zelio's products are designed and tested by champion triathletes like Heather Jackson, Lindsay Corbin, Jesse Thomas, and Rachel McBride. Wait, did you forget someone? Oh, that's right. And our very own Haley Chura. Well, Zelio's products are made with high quality and long lasting ingredients to stand the test of the hottest days, sweatiest training sessions, and toughest elements. They give athletes like us confidence and peace of mind to perform at our best without worrying about our skin or hair products. The products you won't want to train or compete without are the Sun Barrier SPF 45, the Twix Chamois Cream, Swim and Sport Shower Products, and the Body Lotion. You can use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com to get 20% off. Hi, Cecilia. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, Haley. Thanks for having me. So huge congrats, first off, on your podium third place finish just about a week ago at Ironman 70.3 Peru. And I believe this was your first 70.3 pro podium finish. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. First time, uh, the champagne shower. So it was lots of fun. Well, definitely reason to celebrate. I think it was also a big personal record day and just a nice way to start 2019. So can you tell us just a little bit about how your day played out? Yeah, for sure. It was, um, it was actually the second, uh, race back-to-back weekends that I'd done, which is kind of funny because every time I've done that, I think I've done it three times total 70.3, you know, back-to-back weekends. The second one is always better. So this turned out to be true again. Um, so it was, uh, but you're always a little bit nervous going into it thinking, oh man, am I recovered? Am I, you know, going to be sharp and fresh and ready to go? So I'd done Texas 70.3 the week before and was okay race, but not, not like great for me. And so, but I knew it was in good shape. I had an awesome uh, winter of training. So I went in pretty confident. And as you guys both know, swim is my weakness. So that is always one that I just need want to like get through and do as good of a swim as I possibly can. And then that kind of can set me up, you know, better or worse. And I, I this is the first time I ever swam under 30 minutes. So I set myself up well. And my mantra was like swim dumb. That was like my, I think I overthink the swim. So swim dumb. And I totally did that. I just was like, just thrash your arms and like flow with the ocean. And that strategy must've worked because I was able to stay with a couple other racers the whole time. And even though it was an open ocean swim, I didn't get too thrashed around or disoriented. So that was always, obviously a plus. So I came off in a, in a better position than I usually do only about like four minutes behind the leader, Lauren ghost, who's a super strong swimmer. So that was off to a good start and then had a good, good T1, um, caught up to, basically caught up to Kelly O'Mara and Sarah Piampiano. So I started the bike like right with them. And then, well, we're not quite supposed to say this in triathlon, but like Sarah uh, P and I sort of started working together on the bike, you know, trading legal distance pulls. And we kind of started making up ground on the field. And cause we're similar type of biker, similar swimmers and similar bikers. And we are both coached by the same coach Pepperell Patch Fitness with Matt Dixon. So I kind of known, know her and know her biking ability. So wait, can I ask, did you and Sarah, talk about that before or was it just like something that just happened yeah good question so I started a little bit behind her and I passed her within like the first five minutes and then she passed me again probably two minutes later and as she came by she said something like we can get to the front of this race if we try and I think there's nothing like this you have to play to your advantages in the sport. And like, and even as you guys both know, like six bike lengths or 20, you know, um, 12 meters is still an, uh, on a flat, fast course. Like you still feel something advantage there with the, um, you know, uh, wind blocking. And then also psychologically, you know, just to have somebody to pace off. I think those two things are totally huge. And so, so even, you know, playing by the rules, even though you're not supposed to bike with other people, it's sort of, it is, it is an advantage. And usually I'm never able to do that because I'm so far off the back of the swim. So this was like, a, that's the first time that I kind of you know, worked with somebody per se. And I think we were totally legal and fair about it. We were, it was pretty much 
once every like two to three minutes, she would like zoom around. As thought I had the thought of, of you know, um, oh, there she is again. And then I would try to drop her, and then she would try to drop me, and then we just were making each other go faster. So that was kind of cool. And we and we did, as she'd said, we did work our way right up. So I think we got ourselves into second and third. Only Lauren Ghost was up there, up the road, and not too far. So you could kind of see her at the turnaround. And then actually, unfortunately for Sarah, she got a um, kind of a wheel-eating pothole around the second and a half lap. So all of a sudden, I saw her pull off to the side. So then, as I said, the last two laps, I was riding alone. Unfortunately, had like five the two age group guys and a, I think another pro woman behind me, but that's also the sport. And, um, then came into T2 and yeah, um, had, had a great run for me and, um, was in second place until, um, uh, about nine miles into the run when, uh, Kinsey Lane who'd come off into, into T2 right with me. I kept, I knew she was right there. She came around me, um, with about a couple miles to go and held on for third. So it was a good day. So I love the mantra of swim dumb. I feel like I'm also always kind of looking for ways to keep eking like out some seconds and minutes in those fields. So maybe that's something to try for next time too, to <laughs> help put me with, with a, another group. But for the sure. course sure. in Peru definitely seems, you know, like a fast one, like you were saying, and we think it's pretty urban being about 20 minutes from downtown Lima which is a city that has 10 million people. So that's quite big. So what did you think about the Peruvian race experience in general? And did you have time to do any sightseeing outside of the race? Yeah, it was, it was my first time in Peru. I was just excited about going down there and visiting. I thought I, it was a pretty quick trip, so I didn't have too, too much time. But we had um, a couple, kind of a group of us, Purple Patch uh, fitness folks, uh, both amateur and pro, who'd come down. And, and one of the guys, uh, Juan Rafo, lives there. And so he was kind of our local host. And so we went to a party at his place and kind of got to um, experience a little bit of the culture. And the race was, I mean, it was awesome. They did a great job organizing it in the city was definitely behind us and there was like lots of TV channels there and I and the course was beautiful I thought they did despite you know being in the middle of the city sometimes you worry about like a Oh, is it going to be, um, is there going to be traffic on the course or is it going to be, um, you know, p poor road conditions and stuff like that? But that was not an issue at all. And they, they, maybe a little bit of a downside was they had to do four loops of the bike course. So you do run into like a little bit of traffic jam problems, um, because, uh, with all the, you know, by the time the, you're on your fourth lap, of course, most of the amateurs are on the course too. So you kind of have to contend with some traffic there, but yeah, it's a beautiful town, Lima, right along the water with these cliffs and so and our hotel was right on that that strip as well so we did get to do a little bit of exploring in the neighborhood um mira flores which is um where our, our hotel not far from the race and so it was a we had a great I had a great experience down there definitely recommend it to other you know foreigners they did a warm welcome for us well, congratulations again. That is, a, sounds like a fantastic day all around. Great trip, backing up off of another race. I mean, that's that's quite, quite the impressive. Um, I guess seven or eight days there. But in addition to standing atop these international professional triathlon podiums, you were also a fourth year medical student at Columbia University in New York City. So how does that work? Are you flying into races last minute, taking the red eye back to New York to go to class on Monday? I mean, did you go to school in between Texas and Peru? Or, I mean, are you just like extra brilliant? You could just like send in your, you know, just like, oh, I know everything already. <laughs> well, yeah, you got it. You got it right. I um, am a, a fourth year med student. I Yes, I went to class between Texas and Peru for, I did, I threw, flew back on um, Sunday night. I got into the airport at like 2 a.m., got home, you know, was asleep by three and then up the night, you know, had class the next morning. So I think one thing I'll say is that um, I've learned that when something's really important to you and you ask people for like permission, special dispensation, like you'd be surprised how often they say yes. Um, and I think I've been really lucky in that and probably, you know, push the limits a little bit of my course director's patience. But I've, I've rarely had, you know, people say no when I've said, hey, can I miss a Friday or can I miss this like Monday morning class because I'm going to like 
you know, for, for an international competition. And especially when I show them pictures, when I get back and show them what I did, like usually, you know, you know, to an extent. And of course I'm like pretty, um, mindful about, um, you know, if there is a policy for, uh, attendance, you know, that I'm within that and everything. So I think, yeah, I, I, I plan carefully. And then also, you know, I'm not afraid to, to ask for a little bit of special, um, dispensation. And I have to ask, please tell me that you drink coffee and that caffeine like must be a big part of this, the secret here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't drink coffee till like a year ago. Um, so, so I guess I can't tell you that. <laughs> no. Oh no. Um, I mean, I'm pretty, no, it's I know, no secret, no major secret. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I am pretty efficient. I have to say like I, um, on the way on any sort of travel circumstance, I'm very quick to like, if, even if there's a 10 minute break before I'm boarding, like I'm whipping out my laptop and I'm good about like down, you know, if I know I'm not going to have Wi-Fi, I download articles that I know I have to read or print them. And so I can like always make the most of the time while I'm away. I think like a lot of my friends always, I did a cross country road trip while I was with one of my best friends who it's like a fellow athlete and adventurer. And we were going out to Montana when I was studying for the MCAT and it was a big like med school admissions test. And she, I would make her like drive anytime we were going to like a, you know, or any destination and I'd be like, you know, whip out the MCAT book and like have her even like quiz me and if I was driving. And so I always try to make the most of the time. So that's, I guess that's one of my secrets, but, um, to keep both, uh, both hobbies or both, you know, both passions alive. And yeah, I mean, it's not just medical school and triathlon. You have been balancing school and sport for quite a while now. So for our listeners, you actually, you played soccer in high school, which is great. I'm a, I was a soccer player too. So I always like to give that an extra plug. It's a good sport awesome. <laughs> before triathlon. Um, you ran cross country and track at Williams college. You got it. And you raced as a cat one cyclist during your first year at Columbia before you discovered triathlon. So have you right. always felt like you just needed or thrived on having, you know, two or several things that you're just deeply focused on. And like you said, that are important to you at a time. Yeah, I think that's really important, not having all your eggs in one basket. I think I actually did take two years, two extra years in medical school, sort of like two years off, but um, to, and I did research while I was doing that. And, um, but my main focus was triathlon. In some ways, I found that like almost harder because you, if you have a bad training session or a bad, um, you know, bad race, you like really dwell on that and you don't have like this other thing to focus on as much. So I think that has always been, and the same with school. Like if I'm, um, oh, have like a rough day at school, but then an awesome workout, it like really can balance, can like keep things really balanced. So, um, yeah, I think I've always found them a good combination for sure to keep the other uh, discipline in check. Do you worry? Like, you know, the rest is such a big buzzword, right? And like, people are so into like meditating now and taking that time and doing all of that. And it's like, I guess how, you know, do you ever worry? Like, am I resting enough? Am I giving myself enough downtime? You know, I think obviously everyone needs different levels of that, but how, you know, I'm just curious how you manage and can help our listeners maybe like stay away from the internet a little bit, like, you know, infringing on what's best for you. Because if you read, you know, certain things on there, it's like, you're going to feel like you're doing everything wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely <laughs> sometimes have that thought <laughs> like, Oh geez, I'm not like, you know, um, maybe, I mean, I sleep a decent amount, but probably not like as much as I, I could to recover best. And I think, yeah, as far as work, I think I'm really good about if I if listening to my body, you know, if, if I'm, if, if I'm on my coachings and, Oh, I guess another thing, listening to my body in conjunction with like being flexible with my training plan, I think it's really hard, but if you have on your schedule, a track workout or something that afternoon and you don't get out from like a long day in the hospital, say till like, you know, 6 30 PM, are you really, you know, or even, you know, the seven, seven 30, are you really going to drag yourself to the track? And like, is that going to be an effective use of your time? So I think advice for, you know, everyone would be like, it takes a lot of dedication to be a track leader and endurance athlete, but it also like, I think the best, um, people, the athletes I know are also the ones who are able to know when is it good to push 
push forward and when is it good to just like back off? And I think that's one thing I've, I've definitely developed. I'm like, you know what? The, I need sleep like this morning. I'm sleeping in till eight o'clock cause I don't have class till nine and I'm not going to do that swim. And like, maybe I'll get in later or maybe I won't, but really feeling guilty about that later and not, um, and really like owning that decision saying, you know, this is what's best for me as like a whole person right now. And probably that's also what's going to be best for my like athletics, you know, even if it doesn't mean more training. So, well, Cecilia, you're, you're saying these lessons like a veteran and you're actually like fairly new to this sport. I mean, it sounds like you've been doing it for decades, but, and you're also in pretty rare company that I believe you won the first triathlon you ever raced. And <laughs> then you even topped that by winning your age group at the 2016 USAT Olympic distance national championship in Milwaukee. So national champion in your third triathlon ever. So I mean, were you, do you think you were just born to race triathlon or and it just took you a little while to find the sport? Um, you know, I sort of, I'd always been looking like, you know, you said, Alyssa, you know, as first a soccer player, like I was, you know, the biggest fan of the women's national team. And like, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And then I wanted to be like the best professional running runner. I could, you know, want to be like a great runner. And I just like, wasn't, didn't have that much success at those other things. I mean, like it was decent, but, um, just never like achieved my goals. And so I think I always had this, like, you know, I feel like I have more in me. Like, what is my, you know, maybe I just haven't found the right sport yet. And then when I did, when I found cycling, I was like, wow, okay, this, I think I, I could be really good at. And I did have quite a bit of success, but the, uh, I was pretty um, prone to getting in crashes. Uh, I think I wasn't the best bike handler. And so that ended up being a kind of limiter in that sport and realized that just like the safety ish aspect after a bad crash, I just wasn't willing to go through with that. But I knew I had this like pretty, you know, I was a pretty strong rider. And so I thought, you know what, if I can just, um, I was intimidated by the swim. And then when I realized that that I took a couple swim lessons and I just like got over that and I felt like it all just kind of fell into place. And I, I remember, um, when I went, when I proposed to my parents, it was at the end of my second year of medical school, I was like, you know, to propose them to this plan that I was going to take two years off of med school to kind of focus on this triathlon and I was like mom dad like I think that, like my body not even my mind but like my body is like telling me that like this is it like it, it, it like knew it was like ready to go and like ready to rage even like you know I just felt like when I was racing triathlon and training for it that this was like this is what I was meant to do um and uh so yeah I guess sort of it was a long journey to get there but um it was kind of like this is this is this is and like just the community too. I don't know. I just felt like it was right. Everything up to that point, I felt like the soccer girls were a little catty and like the runners were like a little bit, I don't know, maybe like introverted. And then the cyclists were like a little bit snooty and clicky. And then the triathletes were like, let's just work hard and have fun and like be a cool community. You know, it was just like, this is it. So yeah. And so you wasted, you know, no time taking your pro card for that 2017 season. And like you said, you received permission to effectively like pause your medical school to focus on triathlon. And so you talked about how you were like ready to do that. And you really like felt like that was the time and, and everything, but were there challenges and was that a hard decision as well? Yeah, it was a really hard decision. I think I felt so I felt like I was going against the grain from what all my classmates were doing. My two roommates who I was living with at the time are now, you know, two years advanced in training. They're like almost done their medical residencies. And, you know, that was two more years that I wasn't earning, you know, a paycheck, two more years that I was, you know, d d d deferring, um, you know, uh, my kind of path, I guess. And it was hard with my, especially, yeah, I think my parents were just like questioned whether I, does this mean she's not going to go back to med school? Like, does this mean, you know, just the security and, and, that, um, and then also she really like convincing the school that, that I was like serious about, um, you know, don't worry, I'm going to come back. I'm, I'm just really have this other thing that I'm going to do. And yeah. And then also for like myself, like, what, um, I knew that I had, yeah, I had a strong desire within me, but like, you know, where's this going to go? Like, does it going to make a difference if I take two years to do this? Am I still going to feel like unfulfilled or, you know, am I, am I, is it just going to want to make me be a full-time pro triathlete more? And like, is that a good thing? And yeah, so I guess there's a lot of questions it brought up, but I kind of, am a little bit like in the moment person. I was like, 
well, I know this is what, what I want to do and what I need to do now. So I'm not going to like think too, too hard about the consequences and just go for it. So, and it seems like your break from Columbia was hardly a break in that you spent time researching and writing papers in addition to being a full-time pro triathlete. But I'm really curious about your, your research that you did, because I think it was uh, related to sports related concussions. So is there anything from your research that might be applicable to triathletes and cyclists, maybe extra incentives to always wear a helmet? <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So most of, um, the research I did was looking at athletes, mostly varsity athletes who played contact sports, which you know, mostly didn't involve cyclists, but I did do a lot of my like own background research on, um, on cyclists and they do suffer from plenty of concussions. So that uh, definitely wear your helmet. And so, um, the, re- yeah, the research I did mostly was on like gender differences in concussion. I was interested in like why it seems like females have higher rates of concussion than males and like what are the particular sports that are driving that so we had a pretty big database of different metrics on student athletes here at Columbia and our our varsity programs over the last 15 years or so so some of the things that we saw that you know as as other studies have reported that you know women's soccer is particularly high risk volleyball is particularly high risk and um and that females like have slightly different symptoms than than males do as well. So, you know, common both in males and females are headache, but, uh, yeah, women are a little bit more likely to have like fatigue and sleep issues and men are a little more likely to have like memory problems. And yeah. And then also I, I did a couple other, a couple of studies like a brain MRI study that um, after concussion as well it's thought to be like maybe a, one way we could pick up change like subtle changes that happen after after concussion so it's a really exciting field and there's lots of research and work to be done because it's really we don't know that much um, about like the complicated brain injury that's going on there so uh, exciting field and that's something I might continue to be involved in as uh, my like career goes on so And so as your career goes on, you are in your fourth year of med school. So we're pretty sure that this means that you're on track then to start your residency this summer. So does that mean that, you know, these are your last couple months as a professional triathlete? Are you, you know, going to figure out a way to like continue and balance it all? Great question, Alyssa. If if I knew the answer to that, then um, I would be have a crystal ball. But um, uh, and but I I'm still trying to figure out um, what that's going to look like, and I don't know. Yeah, I am starting my residency in June, so uh, that's exciting and also like a little bit scary because I think my schedule is just going to totally change. As much as like yeah, you're you're busy as a med student, there's lots to learn. It's just so it's way more flexible. Like I mentioned, you know, you can squeeze things in to and get get you know special scheduling you know, considerations from professors and stuff. But when you actually need to be like at a job every day, like in the hospital, of course you can't be absent. Like you can't be flying back from some race. So yeah, I need to figure out, I mean, obviously I still, I love triathlon and there's still, um, I'm sure I would have fun to continue racing and like continue improving. It's just a matter of like, am I going to, how like just physically, am I going to rest enough and like have enough time for training? And I think that's sort of an unknown. I've definitely heard of people who've done it. And of course, on every like interview I go to like, oh yeah, well, so-and-so raced, uh, you know, does like marathons and triathlons and like, okay, well, that's great. But like, I think for me, I would only want to continue to like race, you know, against you guys. Um, if I was at like the same level or, you know, or improving on how I am now, I think it'd be really hard for me to, you know, to continue and be at a, at a much lower level and just know that I wasn't like achieving my potential. So I, I, yeah, I'll have to explore. It'll be like, I think it'll be really tough, but I think, um, it'll force me to, like assess like what's really important to me and how I want to be spending my time, you know, outside of work. And it might feel like too much. So we'll see. Cecilia, we've talked about your relatively short timeline in the sport, especially since you took your pro card in 2017. Do you yeah. think that knowing then in 2017 that you had these two years, did that influence your triathlon career? Like, do you think you took bigger risks knowing that it could be kind of temporary? Yeah. Great question. Um, I definitely did. Um, definitely dove in like way quicker than I think I would have otherwise. And 
uh, particularly with the decision to take the pro card after only like racing for a season, maybe a season and a half in the sport at all. And especially being like a weak swimmer. I think that was, that was like hard for me to, to justify, but I went to my coach and I said, you know, I really have a, I'm pretty sure of a limited timeline in this. Like I want to be like racing against the big girls. And I think that, I think I knew myself well enough to know that like, if I put myself in that environment where I'm towing the line with like the best, um, in the sport that I was going to rise to the occasion. And even if that was like sort of a gamble in some ways and sort of scary, and maybe I would have taken more time otherwise, like I think in this, in this circumstance, it, it felt like the right move. And of course it's easy to say like in hindsight, it, you know, sort of worked out for me and, my swim did get a little bit better and I was able to, you know, compete, think in another world had, had, had I not, you know, been on par then with the other pros, then it could have been a different story, but I got, I guess I got lucky. And Cecilia, a few weeks ago, we talked to former professional triathlete and she's now a current elite ultra runner, Kate mm. Pallardy, and ah, she yes. also trains in New York city. So oh. she gave us a little bit of insight about training there, but it sounded like she just does a lot of loops around central park at <laughs> time. So how has training there been for you? And, you know, since you're also working with your med school schedule, do you just try and stay indoors for a lot of it to keep it efficient? Uh, yeah. So that's actually funny. I know Kate Pallady, um, or a little bit. She, my dad's an ultra runner and we actually like by coincidence, he, they had the Pallard, uh, the Halovaches, I guess her husband is Halovich, um, had a house in Vermont, like next to where my parents had a house and they discovered the, oh, they kept seeing each other out on runs and then we're like training buddies. And so I've been to a couple races where my dad and Kate have been racing. And then, um, we're also on central park track club, uh, together. So I've done a couple workouts with her. So that's funny. Yeah. So as far as the training in New York, you know, I always say to people when they ask me, you know, it's not as bad as youth might think. I think because we do have a lot of parks and, you know, Central Park is a six mile loop and it also has like a gravel or like a dirt path as well. So like a soft surface for a five mile path, like that's pretty great. And then I think the riding is also better than in a lot of other big cities where I've lived, honestly, and particularly where I live up in Washington Heights, which is the northern end of Manhattan. I'm, I'm about a five minute bike ride from the George Washington bridge that has like a bike lane that goes over it. And then, um, that gets you to the other side, um, to New Jersey. And then there's pretty great riding there. Like one traffic free kind of, um, uh, riverside road that goes down to some boat ramps and like picnic tables. So that's the really only traffic that's on there. And that goes for like 10 miles. So I would say between, you know, between the parks for running and that Hudson river road for riding. And then of course, like it's a city. So there's lots of pools and lots of like groups and lots of people who are, you're able to, to swim with. I'd say, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's decent. Like, you know, maybe we don't have a ton of like as many, as much variety as other places. But I think, um, anywhere where there's a high concentration of people, there's going to be other people who want to be doing what you're doing. So that makes it easy to find like companions and training partners and stuff. So, well, you definitely seem to make the most of it. And, um, (laughs) and I guess, are you, where are, can our listeners find you, um, in the next couple of months on some start lines? Are you going to try to cram in a bunch of races before you start your residency? <laughs> I know you took your, your slot for Nice, 70.3 worlds. You qualified for 70.3 worlds in yes. Nice. And are you going to try to sneak that one in? I mean, is, are these, are everything just up in the air and you're just basically going week by week? <laughs> so... I know that before June like 15th, I am going to do, I think I'm planning on doing, um, um, St. George and Chattanooga and then hopefully Mont Tremblant. I think my, um, like orientation for residency starts like June 12th or something. And so I think that's going to be like pretty low stress. I'm thinking I can sneak away from Mont Tremblant. Um, and, um, and then after, yeah, I am hoping to get my vacation around Nice. And like, even if I'm tired and like not in amazing shape. I think just competing at a world championship would be so fun that like that I would, I'll try, I'll try to do if I'm able to. Um, I'm thinking my kind of backup plan is, um, oh yeah. And then also New York city try it's like on a Sunday in July. I'm pretty sure I can like at least trade with a friend if I happen to be working that weekend, that one I should be able to get in. So then that's like a pretty full season already there. So that, um, and then, um, my like sort of backup plan, if I'm still feeling like, un like I really have, um, some athletic energy to burn and like really want to compete 
and I don't have enough time for triathlon. I'm thinking I might like get into the New York city marathon in the fall, just because as you guys know, like running is so much easier to get in when you're busy. Cause you don't have to get your, um, get to a pool or get on a bike and all the prep time and everything. So, um, that's kind of like my backup plan if I'm not able to do tries as much, but like want to have a goal. So I might more do a little morphing and then who knows when the, my, the next year I might like be a little more settled. And my second year of residency is actually like in a different, I have to do one intern year, which is in general medicine. And that year might be like really more crazy. And then after that, my residency might be more calm. So I'll kind of fe- um, feel it out, but definitely a last hurrah this spring for sure. So expect me to be putting it all out there guys. <laughs> so. Well, it's super exciting. I'm like a little in a whirlwind just hearing about it all, but it's so exciting. And <laughs> you know, I'm excited to follow along and see what you can make happen. And I have no doubt that it's going to be some, some great things still to come. So thanks for taking the time to talk to us uh, at iron women and all the best. We'll let you get back to back to the med school life. All right. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's great to be here. Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a sprint to Ironman. Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves, Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including kicker smart trainers, element bike computers, and ticker heart rate monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals. So Alyssa, I mentioned earlier that I saw a race with Cecilia in St. George this past weekend. And she, I asked her a little bit about being done with med school and starting her residency. And she said that she is really excited to start her residency. She's staying in New York city. So she's going to keep doing her, you know, fantastic rides out of New York city, which we just learned about. I I had no idea that riding in New York city was a thing or riding out of the city and getting to these fantastic rides, but you learn something new every week, right? So we're, we'll wish her the best of luck in these couple of weeks that she has off before she starts her residency. Yes, that is juggling more than I can ever imagine, but it was really fun to catch up and talk to her. So thanks for coming on Iron Women, Cecilia, and we'll catch you at a race soon. And for all the listeners, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash live feisty. And of course, please support all of our sponsors who are helping us make helping make this happen for us. So get some Zelios, get that Wahoo Element Bolts, buy some Smash Fest Queen, all the things, right, Haley? Noon hydration. Stay hydrated, my friends. It's Cinco de Mayo. Oh, we're recording this on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> but um, so I wanna you can't say stay thirsty, stay hydrated, my friends. Yeah. We'll we'll end with that. But <laughs> all right, Haley. Well, I'm gonna be talking to you next week from down under. So fingers crossed for good internet and easy travel. And I'll talk to you next week. Safe travels, Alyssa. Bye. Bye, Haley. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women Podcast is a live feisty media production. We want to thank our sponsors and partners, Noon Hydration, Wahoo Fitness, Zelios, Fen Coffee, FQC Nutrition, and Smash Fest Queen.